It's February 7th, so that means it's time for the OTP from St. Thomas Sports Park in Nashville, Tennessee. My name is Mike Keith. Amy Wells is across the way. Hello, Mike. Hello, Amy. How are you? And back from, I'm fine, thank you. Yeah, good. And back from, I didn't expect you to ask me a question, I apologize. Well, you know, I just care about your overall well-being. I, I appreciate that. And back from Atlanta, GA, and his 21st Super Bowl, Jim Wyatt, senior writer, from TitansOnline.com. Welcome back. Glad to be here. You said it's February 7th, which means it's time for another OTP. Does that mean February 7th is like a standing date? It, we OTP? have to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we always have to. do it it's on the 7th. law. <laughs> they actually they passed it right after the State of the Union the other night by voice vote. There, <laughs> there must be. It's the only thing Congress and the President can agree on is that we have to have an OTP on February the 7th. Uh, but we are glad to be here. There is much to discuss. Let's talk about your Super Bowl experience, though. Uh, you had a chance to go down and cover another Super Bowl. We mentioned your 21st. Uh, what jumped out to you? Uh, it was cool to see Jason McCourty and to see him experience the week and then to see him in the locker room after the game. And he made the play of the game. He did make the play of the game. Uh, you know, great alert play to get in the vicinity, uh, to be in the vicinity and then to close and knock that ball away, which would would have been a touchdown. It might have changed the game. Oh, it, I think it changes yeah. the game. I, yeah. I, I don't mean to interrupt your story, but I think it. Jason McCourty made the play of the Super Bowl. Everybody talks about Gilmore inter- intercepted the pass, and yeah. I could have intercepted that pass. It was thrown <laughs> right to him. McCourty, if he doesn't get there, Cooks catches the touchdown pass. The Rams take the lead. That game changes at that point. Yes. Absolutely. So it was great to see him. I mean, uh, he's not a Titan anymore, and, and certainly uh, you wish that he would be able to experience that with this team. But you're happy for a guy like that who was such a great guy here right. and paid his dues, went to the Browns from here, did win a game, uh, covered several Super Bowls, with him talking about his brother, Devin, and standing outside looking in the window or leaving the premises for the game start. So I was happy for him. So that kind of stood out. And then the week, I mean, it was crazy. I brought my list. I always go to, you know, the Super Bowl with ideas, and I would have had plenty to make it through the week. But then so many Titans showed up uh, from Wesley Woodard to Logan Ryan to Derek Morgan to Jayon Brown, saw Chris Johnson, uh, ended up seeing Jarrell Casey, Derek Morgan, all those guys in Atlanta for the Super Bowl and uh, provided opportunities for stories. And then there were so many other Titans angles that I uh, hit on while I was down there. So it was a it was a fun week, a productive week. And, um, and uh, you know, watching the Patriots, I know s- some people speculate, I saw somebody write that you watching that game you can tell the gulf between the Patriots and the Titans. I don't, I don't agree with that at all. I mean, I, Titans, uh, that was a game, certainly the Patriots, I think they did enough to win because I, I don't think they felt like the Rams were going to be able to score on them. But um, you watch that Patriots team, and we saw what this Titans team did against them. They manhandled them here. And the thing is, you just got to get into the playoffs and get hot at the right time. And you can win because I mean I think the Chiefs may be a better team than the Patriots. I think the Saints 
Maybe a better team than the Patriots. Let me say it this way and see if you agree with this. Because I was talking to somebody last night who was giving me a hard time about making the point about the Titans showed on November 11th that they're not that far away. I think the Patriots are the best team. And I say that because, as it turns out, through the course of the year, they, they became the most consistent team. They showed up at the right moments. Now, they played awful here. They, they had a bad day, but you guys saw it too. They got out of here faster than anybody. They got on the bus, and I think they flushed it by the time they got to, to B&A to take off. They were like, mm, it's over. I, I, we played badly. We got whipped. It wouldn't happen again if we played these guys. But that, to me, is what a great professional football team does. Are they a lot better than the Titans at this moment? Are they a lot better than the Chiefs? Are they a lot better than the Saints or the Rams? No, they're not. They just know they're, how to win. They yeah. know how to win. Yeah. And, yeah. and they, their consistency is the difference. The Titans have not mastered that consistency yet. The Steelers, as it turned out this year, did not have that consistency. But, man, you take one through eight in the AFC – I mean, just go back through the rundown. One through eight, the six teams that made the playoffs and the two that barely missed it, and, man, it's close. Yeah. It is close. I mean, it, and you just got to get in it to win. But uh, I look at the Patriots. They got an incredible quarterback in Tom Brady who I just love his competitiveness and just how psyched up he gets for games and how efficient he is and how smart he is and and what a gamer he is they've got an incredible coach and bill belichick and you know julian edelman had a heck of a game and they play good team defense but they don't blow you away when you look at them you know they're and they're they're starting 22 and i I still contend if the chiefs played them 10 times that the chiefs would win six of them uh, and, I think and I, the Rams are the same way. Yeah, and I think the Saints are the same way. But the Patriots know how to win in those big moments, and uh, and the Titans obviously still you know have some work to do uh, from a personnel standpoint to get ready for 2019. And you can look at the roster and see areas of need. But uh, I don't. I didn't leave. Atlanta thinking, okay, this Patriots team is just head and shoulders above the Titans and everybody else. I just looked at him and said, that's a team that knows how to win, and now the Titans have got to figure out a way to get there themselves and uh, and to fill some of these spots on the roster that need to be upgraded. See, but this is why I like the NFL and the playoff system. I know during the regular season we say any given Sunday because the margin of error between teams is so small. Every NFL team is filled with good players. We know this. The talent is so close together for every team. So there are some that are high, some that are low. When you get to the playoffs, that's what exposes the teams. That shows the teams that can get it together, that can be consistent, that can really make some plays happen. And I think that I like the playoff system the way that it is, that it's not a series, that it's not a mi- – you don't get multiple shots at these guys. You have to, in that moment – Get your team together. Be consistent. Be accurate. That's what makes a good team. Two things jump out to me. Number one, in this case, the value of the buys for the New England Patriots. The buy right after the regular season, helpful to that team, and then the buy before the Super Bowl. The fact, and, and I, I picked New England, not and I, and I said the same thing. 
If they play a series, I pick Los Angeles. If it's three out of five, if it's four out of seven, I pick the Rams. But one game, Belichick is going to be ready. He's going to take everything that's worked for him before. He's going to take everything that's worked against him to guard against. And I believe he looked long and hard at what that Titans offense did against him on November the 11th when the Titans were most healthy, when Marcus Mariota was at his best, when Corey Davis absolutely wore out Stephon Gilmore, when the Titans ran for 150 yards, when they ran all those sets like the Rams because LaFleur was really running the Rams offense that day, maybe more than any other time during the year. And Belichick is never going to let that happen again. He says, you got me. He shakes your hand. He leaves. And then he goes back to the laboratory and the mad scientist begins. Yeah. And, and I, think, I think those are the sorts of things. And, and you can, I'm telling you, you can make the case right now that he's the greatest coach in pro football history. For, I, I, I yeah. would I would vote yeah. for him. I mean, I, I mean and, and that sounds like, and we always want to go, and everybody has this term about the goat. So and so's the goat. So and so's this, and 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 I get it. But in his case, I mean, okay, Hallis, Curly Lambeau, uh, Lombardi, uh, Paul Brown, uh, Tom Landry, Chuck Noll. Uh, I mean, you can go on and on. But when you see what this guy has done in this era, when it is so close. Right. I mean, here's the amazing thing about this. This is the widest margin he's ever won a Super Bowl. Yeah. And if Zerline makes the field goal with three seconds to go, it's it would be the ninth one-score Super Bowl, and he's found a way to win six of them. It is so hard. And he's done it. He has. And you, you date back to the bye weeks and the preparation. I mean, you go back to the Chargers game. A lot of people thought the Chargers might go in there and um, upset them early in the playoffs. And they had a plan for them to expose the Chargers. And they won that game easily. Go to Kansas City. Uh, and the Chargers were hot. They were hot. And that's a good team. Yeah. And they looked terrible that day because the Patriots made them look terrible because they had a great game plan. And then against the Chiefs, you know, you, you hang around and hang around and, and – play against a, a Chiefs team that I thought probably the may, might have been the best team in the league this year, and you go in there and beat them at their home field, and then they just stifled the Rams and, and took away anything they wanted to do on offense and 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 uh, and find a way to win that game. So it's just a resilient team, great coach. Again, Tom Brady, you know, I, I you know I understand why people don't like him because they get tired of seeing him, but and because he wins so much. But you've got to respect the guy, and uh, and he's a guy certainly you'd want on your team. I heard somebody talking about you playing backyard football or picking teams. He'd be the first guy you'd pick uh, on on a field you know, field with the NFL's best players. Yeah, but I'm ready for him to retire now. That's enough. See you later. Enjoy your Super Bowl. Well, I mean, people get tired of seeing his supermodel wife, <laughs> and they get tired of all the ads, and, and they get – I mean, he's – He's oversaturated the market just a hair. He's TB12. You know, he's got his own line, so to speak. And um, But, listen, throw all that out the window. He's phenomenal. And the, fu- the funny thing is, 
He didn't play phenomenal on Sunday. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. But, but he, he had but, that drive when it mattered. But he had the drive yep. when it mattered. And one of the things I've always respected about him is even when he doesn't have the good stuff, he finds a way. It's not always about going 30 for 30 for 500 yards and six touchdowns with him. Some days when you're, you know, 19 of 30 for 167 yards and no touchdowns and an interception, he figures out a way to get that drive. That's what makes a, that's what makes a football player great. That's what makes a quarterback great. It's not how many yards you throw for and how many touchdowns. It's do you win, and that dude wins. I don't care what – if his wife's a supermodel or if they make $83 million or he has a line or whatever, throw that out the window. His greatness is winning, and you have to respect it. I do. Yeah. Uh, I know I wasn't surprised when the game was close late and they get the ball and, and the crowd's starting to chant Brady, his name and, Bra- I know. and that he was going to drive down the field and do what he did. I think he realized, uh, again, that the Rams were not going to be able to do much against – you know, their defense, and you just don't want to make a mistake. So I think he was probably careful during parts of that game when he could have taken some more chances. And then when they had to have a score to put the game away, you know, he he, he was at his, at his best. What do the Titans need to get to a championship level of consistency? Not saying six Super Bowls. Not I'm saying go win one. What does it take to go from three straight winning seasons and flashes Mm -hmm. and moments where you beat Kansas City in Kansas City twice, once in the playoffs, you run over Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers, you you take Tom Brady in a situation where they pulled him out of the game with seven minutes to go because you're whipping them so thoroughly, and the flip side of that is you lose to Buffalo. Yeah. You you mm-hmm. you have a game like Baltimore where you only gain a hundred yards, and and I understand everybody's going to have bad games. the The Patriots had a bad game here on November 11th. That happens in the NFL, but the level of consistency to go from the nine and seven to the eleven and five and the twelve and four and give yourself a chance, what has to happen? What is your opinion of that, Jim Wyatt and Amy Wells? Well, it's a, I think it's a combination of, of a lot of things. I mean, obviously, you know, you look at the personnel, and I think John Robinson's done a great job of building this roster to get it to a point where teams won nine games three years in a row, which is the first time that's happened since the team has been here. But, you know, moving forward, you know, this team, in my opinion, he's not addressing needs right now, but I think the team needs to have a more consistent pass rush. So this team needs edge rushers, especially during a year when Brian Arakpo retires and Derek Morgan's contract's up. You've got to be better up front uh, protecting the quarterback. I mean, that's one thing, you know, that Brady has had the good fortune is he doesn't get hit a whole bunch. And when you don't get hit a whole bunch, you reduce your chances of getting injured. So the team has got to be able to figure a way to keep Marcus Mariota healthy and on the field. It's hard to win when your quarterback's in and out and you're not sure whether he's going to be there. you got to get Marcus Mariota more help. I mean, he, I think he needs more help at the receiver position. Uh, those are the three biggest needs from a personnel standpoint. And then the other part of it is just having that mindset that you're going to win no matter what. You mentioned the flashes winning in Kansas City, beating sure. the Patriots this year, beating the Eagles this year. I mean, these teams won some really good games, yeah. but you've got to figure out a way to win on some of those weeks uh, where the hype is not there going in. And when, that could be Buffalo. That could be Baltimore. That could be 
any of these games. Well, like uh, the Brady situation, when you don't have the good stuff, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's you just the, need enough stuff. Well, it's the secret to Jimmy Johnson in NASCAR. Jimmy Johnson wins more races when he doesn't have the best car, maybe than any driver I've ever seen. You know, he just finds a way to guide it around, the, and he stays in it. You know, there's that mindset about how do you have that Jimmy Johnson, when I don't have the best car, how do I do it? Yeah, and that's mm-hmm. a mindset. And it that's, is. Uh, and that's, you, this team has a good leadership. I think there's some you know, good veteran presence on this team, but uh, you've got to figure out a way to win in weeks when uh, when maybe you don't have the, you know, it's not a Patriots on the other side of the field, or or the defending champs coming in here. You got to win the games that uh, you know that you know that are viewed as trap games. I agree with everything Jim said. I also think that this team needs consistency from an organizational standpoint. They need a coaching staff that's staying in place. They need multiple years in a system. They need exactly what we're about to give them. I think that all of the changes that have happened where we've taken steps forward, then you take a half a step back and have to re-rev up for the season because there's a new coaching staff. There's some sort of big change. So I think that's one thing. And then just health. And that's something that starts now. That's conditioning. That's taking care of your body. That's doing all of those little things that keep a team healthy. I mean, in the National Football League, Every single team deals with injuries. Sure. So you can't make that something that you completely fall back on. But the Titans finished the 2018 season with nine guys on IR. The quarterback didn't play in the last game of the season. A lot of people were dropping in the middles of games and in parts of games. I'm, a lot of those are fluke things. A lot of those are things that no one can control. But being able to keep your key personnel in place gives you such an advantage. I mean, if the Tennessee Titans had had Delaney Walker or even Jonu Smith for the end of the season, how different would this team well, have Well, and I'll give you this one. Here, here's one for me. You're playing Indianapolis in the last game. You don't have Jarrell Casey, your best pass rusher. Right. That's a big deal. Mm-hmm. I think it might have been an even bigger deal that they didn't have Logan Ryan. I agree. In yep. that game, Logan Ryan means a lot. So it wasn't necessarily the number of injuries – they certainly had some significant guys in certain roles that they didn't have. And sometimes mm-hmm. that's just dumb luck. Yeah. You know, it's just like it. it mm-hmm. you, you look at the ball club and you say, could you get any less lucky? Right. And that happens and you sure. have no control over that. But now is the time for everyone to kind of step back, look at their diet, look at their habits every week to make sure that they're conditioning, to make sure that they're staying in the gym and keeping their body in shape so that once the off season comes like that's the time to do all of those things to put yourself in the best position to stay as lucky as you can okay I want to turn it a different way because you brought up continuity and this week the media had a chance to visit with Dean Pease the defensive coordinator and him staying was a a big big deal Uh, several nice articles written about that that I thought all I agreed with all of them I thought that made more sense and He's a top 10 defense under Dean Pease, let's face it. And then Arthur Smith. Arthur Smith, who over the years has probably done one or two interviews a year for maybe – I mean, his first four years he was probably never interviewed. 
the last few years, he might have done just something every once in a while. He was not available once a week as, as position coaches are not available on a once-a-week basis in season. They're available occasionally. I was not in the room because I was in Chattanooga. You were both in the room. I watched the interview. I was very impressed by how he did, particularly for a guy who had not done a lot of media, but also how he did in really getting out, really expanding on what he wants to be. I thought he was very specific, and I thought that was good. I'll start with you, Amy. How did the room feel in terms of how Arthur Smith did? I think overall everyone was very impressed by how thoughtful and deliberate he deliberate. was with his answers. Yeah. He he genuinely thought about what he was being asked and answered the question. He didn't give you some fluffy other stuff running around, you know, kind of circling the actual answer. He gave you an answer to the question and he did it very well, but he also wasn't going to get trapped. He wasn't going to get caught in a trick question. He was thoughtful. He was deliberate. I thought he came across as very intelligent and very capable of doing this job. Uh, I was sitting next to Dave McGinnis from Titans Radio and he was not exactly quiet about saying how smart he sounded and how impressed he was by just the level of football knowledge that came across in that interview, but in a way that the layman person can understand. I thought he did a great job and really showed how how qualified he is for this job. Yeah, and what I think is cool is just to see the public opinion of him. I mean, when he was immediately promoted, you know, what Twitter does is, is some people – you know, immediately want to bash it or question the move or why you hire this guy. And, uh, and again, that's social media uh, for you. Uh, I think once Delaney Walker spoke up and once Michael Roos spoke up and once Taylor Lewan spoke up and once Ken Wisenhunt spoke up, and you know, it's been one person after the next that have that guys that have worked with this guy, people started to say, okay, well, if all these people think so highly of this guy, maybe, maybe he's not so bad. And then he – uh, has his press conference and people are able to hear from him for the first time. We, we've been around Arthur. We kind of know what he's about. Other people who have covered the team know what he's about and what a smart guy he is. But once he is able to get behind a podium and answer some of these questions, some of the stuff I've seen on social media since have been, man, this guy sounds pretty impressive. I like the sound of this guy. Anytime he says something about wanting to make Derrick Henry a big part of the offense, people love that, obviously. <laughs> so, so he got the Derrick Henry fans on board, and just I just thought he made a great impression. Uh, just with, as Amy said, this is football smarts. He's an intelligent guy. He's a passionate guy, and now you can understand maybe uh, what all the chatter was about from people who have been around him. If he'd have been hired from the Rams yes. for this job. Oh, my God. Now, wait a minute. If he'd have been hired from the Rams for this job and then had that press conference, people would have gone even more nuts. They don't know him like we know him because he's been in the background here for eight years. Right. You're right. I mean, I think people always were looking for somebody new or for some well, sure. from somewhere else. So if he had the Rams or the Chiefs, or the right. Saints, or somebody had one of the high-flying offenses in the league and comes here, people will be applauding this move, just like they did Matt LaFleur 
uh, last offseason. And Matt LaFleur's now gotten to the point where he's the head coach of the Green Bay Packers, so right. great for him. But his offense wasn't spectacular here. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, look at the rankings and 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 – you can't help but question why didn't you see more success from Derrick Henry as beginning the season as you did then? Why did it take so long to figure some of that stuff out? So, uh, I, I think uh, you know things are going to work out well with with Arthur Smith. I think he's a he's a really good football coach. Players really like him and respect him. Yes, he's going to have to learn some things along the way, calling a game for the first time, but. Uh, I think he's. Uh, I think he's gonna do a really good job. It's kind of been a hoot. A hoot. It is, <laughs> but it has. It's so cute to see people's reaction now that they have figured out who Arthur Smith's dad is. Mm-hmm. We yeah. have. We have known that. It's the the best kept secret oh, that all of a sudden has it's just fantastic. exploded. Yeah. And um, it's fantastic because we have known. For mm-hmm. years, because we know him, we right, and and so you you know who he is. It it's certainly never been in his bio. It's never been anything that was noticed. But people have come to the realization that his dad is Fred Smith, Mister FedEx. Yep. And I think in some ways, I mean, some people here. Here's the reaction I've gotten from people off that. It's like, well, you know, his dad's pretty smart, so he probably is too. Yeah. True. Um. The other thing, too, that has struck people is he he probably doesn't have to work this hard. See. And yet he does. But I think if you know anything about the Smith family, you know that his dad has expected this all along. And, and I, I, from a little transportation background, I know some things about how Fred Smith has done this. It's hard work. Yeah. And so... In that way, it's not surprising. To some people, it is a little surprising that Fred Smith's son it has battled this way, his way up through the ranks. And I think it makes people say, hmm, hey, awesome. Yeah, I think that it shows off his that his work ethic is genuine because he's done his football career the hard way Mm -hmm. and he's really grinded it out and he's never used his family or their position as a leg up as an excuse for anything he has just been a football guy and so if nothing else that should give him a ton of respect but as someone who has who started as an intern in the National Football League for three years if my family had any kind of money like any semblance of FedEx money sorry guys like it's hard work and I wasn't in coaching at all but if I could have found any way to get out of doing clips at five in the morning I would have taken that road out so it makes me respect him so much because I know how hard of a climb that is Jim did the same thing yeah well I mean I think it's I think his answer that was great I mean he's not going to not going to see his dad he doesn't view his dad's success as his success i mean he's his own guy and he wants to make his own name and wants to do his own thing his father obviously very successful but uh you know he he's a football coach and and wants to be in the position he's in right now uh, I know, uh, I think it was Sean Smith that said it first, and I think Delaney Walker yeah, said it Sean second. Smith. Yeah, Sean Let, Smith. Let's say, <laughs> for people who don't remember, Sean Smith, the 300-and-something-pound yeah. defensive lineman who talked all the time and was here in 
2013? Yeah, or maybe maybe even uh, 12. I think it may be more like 11 or 12. Okay. Yeah, he was he was here early, and he said this guy's gonna be a head coach one day. Yeah, and uh, out of nowhere. And and Delaney said that this is a guy that has aspirations for being a head coach. If you're a Titans fan, you hope that's not anytime soon, because the last thing you're gonna do is see a guy getting to uh, a position where he's leaving again, and you're starting over, just like Matt Lafleur. Uh, but if that ends up happening, then that means that Arthur Smith has had success in the job he's getting ready to take over. But uh, that just shows you what this guy is all about and his work ethic and his goals and where he wants to be. And uh, he he took the hard road to get to where he is, and now you, you have to be happy for a guy like that. And his family certainly happy for him and deservedly so. The Titans family is happy for him because this is his ninth year. I mean, it was our first thought when Matt got the Green Bay job, do they promote Arthur? Yeah. That, that was in inter- that, that was internally mm-hmm. what we were talking about. Weren't didn't know if Arthur wanted it. Mm-hmm. Because nobody kind of knew cuz he's never really said anything. It's like the thing about his dad being Fred Smith. We weren't keeping it a secret it was just it never came up yeah no one really talked about it no and nobody because he just went about his business he did Mm -hmm. his job and you're like there's Arthur and when they would talk about great offensive game plans the coaches would say man Arthur and the rest of the staff Mm -hmm. really I mean he's just always been a part of everything and so to see him getting this kind of attention and him doing well in the press conferences Something that internally here at St. Thomas Sports Park, we're very happy for. Yeah, it's it's exciting for him. Speaking of weapons, how, how many of you guys have looked at the mock drafts yet? Oh, very briefly. I, I have. I, I did a tour of them before. I guess the you know the run of um, I guess some of these uh, off season events started happening. So I guess it was sometime in the middle of uh, January. I saw them, and they were all over the place, from Kyler Murray to. To, uh, to receivers. To All right, so I want to ask about that. Let me stop you right there. I think everybody immediately on the inside and the people who cover this team directly see the Titans taking a defensive player at 19. And that's really what we're talking about right now. We're talking about the first-round pick. It's too early to kind of go anywhere else. Is it crazy to think they could take a receiver at 19? I don't think it is. No. I don't think it's crazy. I think it would be not what everyone immediately expects, but I don't at all think it's outside the realm of possibility. Well, and I always have to remind people that uh, that want to talk draft and what the pick is going to be is, is, hey, let's see what happens in free agency first. I right. Mean, because that's where, after that, I mean, I think these mock drafts are fun to look at now, but they're silly to look at now because you're basing – uh, those picks a lot of times. Oh, don't say that. I love them. Yeah. <laughs> See, I can't look at them until after I, the combine. I, I, I love I yeah. mean, I, I'm just like everybody listening to the OTP right now. I love the mocks. Uh, they're two guys that we, we all work with in the building, mm-hmm. and I got to send them to them, and they send them to me. And I mean, we, you know, <laughs> we love them. I, and I, don't get me wrong, I love them too. And I'll, I'll do another uh, roundup of mock drafts for next week. But until free agency happens, yeah, they're probably worth about the the sheet of paper that they're printed on now because 
you're, again, you're basing it on needs of a team, and needs of teams change after the first week of free agency. So, you know, free agency starts in the middle of March, and let's let's say this team we're looking at uh, receive. We're talking about receivers right. being a big area of need. Well, what happens if this team goes out and gets a couple of receivers in free agency? Well, then maybe you don't look at that as much in the mock draft. What you know, you're talking about edge rusher. What if this team finds the best edge rusher uh, in free agency? Then maybe that's not where you're looking to plug holes. I think the mock drafts get more interesting for me uh, at the start of April when you're when you have a better idea of what rosters look like. See, I'll start looking at them before that. March 5th, the day after the combine ends, is the day that I will start looking at mock drafts. I want to see how people perform in that situation. I love the combine. It is no secret. I think it is just the best thing. But there are always people who really improve their draft stock and people who really don't. And then there's all the medical parts. And that's the interesting part, too, is so-and-so may not be doing this because they found this thing in their medical exam, and there's this guy with this knee problem over here. So many things come out of those medical exams and just the round robin that they go through or, I mean holy smokes, anything can happen at the Combine. And so many things change based on so many different um, variables. So that's when I'll start looking at them, is after I see how these guys perform. And if the guy I really like ends up running a 6540, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna get my hopes up. I get too attached. Yes, you do. Yeah, it's a real problem. So I have to bring myself. That's why they could back never down. let you work in personnel. I would be the absolute worst. We would have the nicest, funniest team that would never win a ball game. <laughs> but golly, they'd be hilarious uh-huh. because that's how I pick players. Yeah, she's all about. <laughs> the, it's so bad. Yeah, it's but, all, all about the nice, or it's Jimmy Garoppolo. But that's another. <laughs> Oh no! We're not going to go. But down, I do, I we're not just, going down the Jimmy Garoppolo <laughs> rabbit hole. <laughs> it's a it's a deep hole. It's a deep rabbit hole. <laughs> All right, so I think it was the split ends. Uh, ironically, a football term, but it was the group, the split ends, who sang, "History never repeats." It may have been a later version of them crowded house, but that's a that's another story. You can look that up while I ask Jim White this question. I plan to because I'm going to go to the uh, we're going to go old man on you here. Love it. 1998. Tennessee Titans go 8-8. Eight and eight. They win some big games. They lose some games. You get the idea that that 8-8 eight and eight wasn't quite as good as they, they could have been. Defense is good. Greg Williams is defensive coordinator. Defense is good. The question with them, though, is they don't have a great pass rusher. If I'm not mistaken, that 98 Titans team was led in sacks by Lonnie Martz with five. In the draft, they pick Javon Curse. Everything changes. While the Titans' 99 defense was not statistically phenomenal in terms of yards allowed, in terms of takeaways and sacks with Jim Washburn, they absolutely blew it open. Is this defense, 20 years later, coming off of a top 10 year in 2018, are they an impact rusher away from being electric to the point the 99 team was? Can history repeat itself? Who sang it? I, I didn't look that up. I was I just looking up the split ends. <laughs> did you know they're from New Zealand? Yes, I did. Oh, okay. Anyway, Jim White. Uh, I do think that that would definitely change the look of the entire defense if that happened. I still think 
more help maybe is needed. But, you know, look back at that 99 team. That team didn't blow you away at, at receiver. Uh, uh, and, it, you know, you, and you'll look at uh, the offensive line, certainly. And those are the two other positions of need I think this team really needs. But uh, I'm just talking about defense. I'm saying can they be an elite – are, because Curse made everybody else better. That was the everybody had to account for Curse, or else they were going to get tortured. And then when they accounted for Curse, here's Josh Evans. Here's you know this guy. Here Samari Roll becomes a Pro Bowler. All these things start to happen when they added a force. Yeah, and, and that was Curse one, John Thornton two. Is that right? John Thornton two, and John Thornton was a good player, yeah. and he did a nice job on that team. But he wasn't the difference. The he di- wasn't. The difference was the the guy off the edge who set the rookie sack record. And I'm saying either through free agency or the draft, are the Titans that guy away from going top five and being elite, or do you think they need more? I do. I mean, I think they need. A little more, but yeah, I do think that's the that's the player uh, and the position that puts you over the top. Because Grant, this is a good defense last year, and statistically, it was really good. And Dean Pease talked about that on Tuesday in the press conference, just about where they ranked in the top ten of, in a lot of key categories. Uh, I like this team in the secondary. I think they're good at cornerback. I think they're good at safety. Got an interesting decision to make uh, at the safety position opposite Kevin Byard, but uh, inside linebacker, solid uh, defensive front. Uh, I think you still need pieces there, but uh, the one glaring hole and the position that can change the look of the entire defense is, is edge rusher. And, and you hope that Harold Landry develops and you hope that you know Sharif Finch and Kamala Correa can be productive, but you need a guy, a 14-and-a-half sack guy like Javon Curse. That a was home run number. hitter. Yeah, that was his number that year, wasn't it? Yes, 14 it was. and a half to, to change the look of the entire defense. So, yeah, I mean, I, I – that's the big piece on defense. There's no question about it. It was the split end. Thank you. Mm-hmm. History never repeats. I tell myself before I go to sleep. <laughs> In that new mattress. Yeah. I, well, that's, 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 mattress. A, that's <laughs> a, They're not a sponsor, though, so they're not getting a mention. Anyway, um, one other thing we want to mention on this show, it's February 7th. Sure is. 2-7. And so it's actually a special day for the head coach and something he's – big about with two of his former teammates at Ohio State he and those teammates put together the second and seven foundation so today's two seven second seven you get it mm-hmm. Amy explain why today is significant can you do that I can so originally the second and seven whole mantra was so that they could raise money during the Super Bowl. So every time there was a second and seven situation in the game, people could pledge $5, $10 and donate some money every second and seven. To do what? To spread literacy. To that, buy books. Yeah, that was their whole thing. So they were buying um, books for elementary schools and junior high schools, and they were reading to kids, and they were trying to promote reading in schools. Um, it has grown since then. There are a lot of schools now that have incorporated programs where student athletes are reading to kids in the communities, and it's they have books that they give. They've written books. They've, They've written, written a whole series of books, um, which is so funny when you see Mike Vrabel, and he's this big, burly man, and you think he wrote these tiny little books for children, but they're very sweet little books. 
But it's just, it's such an awesome thing. And we had the opportunity to talk to him about it. And last year when we took a trip to Mike Vrabel's hometown, we were able to meet Ryan Miller and Luke Fickle and the guys who he's partnered with to create the Second and Seven Foundation. And they're just so excited about it. I mean, they did this in college and still now they're so fired up about it, which is really, really neat. So study up on the Second and Seven Foundation on mm-hmm. 2-7. Yep. And if you are so moved, help them out. Yeah, absolutely. It's everywhere now. It's everywhere now. It's all across the country. They have a website. Let me double check. It I can has... sing more split-in songs. Would while... you please sure. do that <laughs> while I look this up? Um, but really, it is a great thing, and it's such a cool way to promote learning. And she's still looking. I know. We should have a musical interlude. We really should. Play some split ends. Play some split ends. <laughs> do you remember the split ends, by the I way? I can't say that I do. Are you serious? As much as you like S- music? Sing a song. Uh, see if sing a song? Oh well, they God. were better known later as sort of the derivation, which was Crowded House. Okay. Crowded House had a Crowded couple House. Uh, Crowded House had a couple of big hits. The, the first group, the split ends, were not as big commercially. And then I think the two brothers broke away and formed Crowded House. Okay. All right, you ready? Yes, we're t- we've killed enough time. Thank you. It's secondand7.com, all spelled out, and right on the so homepage. So is it second as in S-C-S-E? Yeah. Okay, but it's not second with the two in it? No, word spelled out, secondand7.com. Right on the homepage, there's a place where you can donate, and it says, all of the information, they're celebrating their 20th anniversary, so that should be motivation right there. Help the head coach. Yep. Second and seven, and second is spelled S-E-C-O-N-D and A-N-D. Yep. And then seven is S-E-V-E-N. Dot com. Dot com. Yep. And I do that because uh, we're hosting the, uh, <laughs> the, the spelling, spelling bee. In on, like two on weeks. Where, uh, <laughs> yep. How would you have done in the spelling bee? Would, Re- real bad. Are you not a good speller? Well, I'm a fine speller. Younger people are not as good as spellers as we were, I Jim. think that's probably true. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm a decent speller. Um, not being able to write it out would be hard. I can't do this, like, hand spelling nonsense that they do at the National Spelling Bee. These little robot kids that just, like, write it in their hands. I like and all the of spot the where works. the kid has to spell free. That makes me happy. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe because that's the word that I could have spelled. Yeah? Yeah, because otherwise. You wouldn't have been great. I'd have been okay, but, I mean, some of the words, I don't know what the word is. Yeah. And they say, give a definition and. Yeah, like, the origin isn't going to help me. Mm-hmm. I don't care if it's a Latin word. I still don't know. You're just buying time. Would you have made it? Uh, I was a decent speller, uh, not good at math, so uh, I guess I, I participated in a few spelling bees myself back in the day and did okay. Did you really? Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you write was, it for was a, a living. It was a school spelling bee. It wasn't like a, a regional spelling bee. It was like a Father like Ryan was a spelling Saint, bee? St. Henry's School. Oh, okay. Yep. Ah. Well, that's pretty tough. Yep. Yeah. Well, that's good stuff. By the way, great stuff over the, the last few weeks from Senior Bowl and from uh, Pro Bowl and from Super Bowl. Uh, you're good at what you do. Well, I appreciate thank that. You, yep. Thank you for making us all look so good at <laughs> TitansOnline.com and uh, at Jay White Sports on Twitter and, and everything. I mean, it is it is so great to, to read all of that. You make people feel like they're there and really add to their enjoyment of following it. And that's the, to me, that's 
that's the ultimate compliment for what you do. Well, I appreciate that. I'm very fortunate to be in a position where I can go to some of these events. And, uh, you know, I was fortunate the way things played out in, you know, every step of the way. Just we have some bad news a- for you about your <laughs> travel never after going the meeting. But, <laughs> yeah, we have some horrible news, but that's after <laughs> This edition of the OTP, but it was it was cool to me because I had to. I yeah. said something nice. I just it just felt like we were going to have a, a, a Hallmark movie here for a moment. What well, are you talking so. about? They saw my expense report. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Going next year. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was cool. The Senior Bowl is always cool, and, and obviously that's where John Robinson and Mike Vrabel talk, and you get a lot of information out of there. And then the Pro Bowl, obviously, we had a couple of players there, and there were other Titans angles. But you know, the the Super Bowl is always a great place where you can have uh have titans a titans presence there we had so many players there and then to have jason mccourty be on the winning team need to be there for that and then to have kevin mawai go into the hall of fame on saturday night and uh him being able to share his you know his thoughts about his days in tennessee and he was really the first full He's a, really the first true Titan to make the Hall of Fame, aside from Randy Moss, if you want to count him. He, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, he never played. Yeah, yeah I mean, he played. Was, Kevin Mawai started four years. Yeah, yeah. And so, was on a 10-0 and 0 team. I mean, he was on two playoff teams and, yeah, yeah. had a 2,000-yard rusher. You know, I mean, that's yeah, – Yeah, he's a big deal. So, I appreciate you saying that. I was glad, I was glad and fortunate to, to be at those spots where I could gather some of that information. I have a feeling. Jim Wyatt is going to end up at the Pro Football Hall of Fame induction in August. I have a feeling he will, too. You know, I was wondering, I was just thinking about that yesterday. The uh, only downside of that, and I, I l- certainly would love to go, uh, is that it's in the middle of training camp. I have a feeling that's the Saturday practice here. Oh, yeah, uh, mm. boy. Nothing like a, let's see, Hall of Fame induction, <laughs> Saturday practice during training camp. Which you've in. never ever seen before. Yeah. Hmm. What would in I do? August. I know what I'll do if they offer me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's hot. I, I'm out. I'm going yeah. to Canton. Yeah. Yeah. It would be cool to be there for that. We uh, can fill you in on the practice. Yeah, we'll let it you will, know. We'll give you the. <laughs> we'll give you the four one one on that. Yeah. It would. Yeah. It would be. I, I guess I'll need to see what the training camp schedule looks like because it. It would probably the induction is the Saturday practice, but you, if there's a Friday practice too, then you're risk you're potentially missing oh, two you practices. can miss two days two whole practice oh, no. practice i'm gonna give you some alan iverson <laughs> we're talking <laughs> about practice uh, not a game <laughs> not a game we're practice. talking about practice <laughs> i do love training camp practices though do you really i actually do when seriously you- especially the first week maybe by the third week i'm ready for him to be done but that's still the first week at camp you love practice, too. I love practice, too. I, I agree with the man. <laughs> Training camp practices are fun, though. Well, that's because you want to see a fight. Well, yeah, I do. Of course I do. <laughs> it's great. They're hot. They're doesn't angry. Doesn't that scare you? Tired. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't that frighten so you? So great. No. That she wants to see a fight? Well, but I want to see Mike Vrabel react to a fight. Yeah, that's Because if true. a guy's going to fight, then Vrabel's going to take it to a whole nother level. You've never level. been in a fight, have you? I've never been in a fight. Oh. But in every sports movie, they fight, oh. and then they win the whole thing. No. That's how it that's goes. That's not how it works. I love it. If you've ever been in a fight and gotten your rear end beaten... <laughs> got ready to say something else. Uh, yeah. You just—it's—it's it's just not as much fun. I mean, it's great to see everybody have the passion and 
That's what I'm looking for. It's not as fabulous as you might think. I don't want to be in the fight. I don't want anyone to hit me. Like you were in Jack against Jacksonville well, and Jarrell Casey. Then I actually you, was in a fight. You and Jarrell yeah. Casey nearly took on, took, the Jags took on the Jags together. Oh, the well. story gets bigger every year. It does. Year. <laughs> All right. For Amy Wells and also the great Jim White, J. White Sports on Twitter. That's right. Titans Amy. Spell it. A-M-I-E. Well, Titans. Well, T-I-T-A-N-S, but you should know that. You found the OTP, so you're halfway there. Amy is A-M-I-E. All right. That's how you follow them on Twitter. My name's Mike Keith for Jim Wyatt and Amy Wells. Thanks so much for joining us on the second and seven edition, the two seven edition of the OTP.